Welcome back to Master the Marketplace with Caspian. All right, so hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Master the Marketplace with Caspian. As part of our episodes here, we talk about everything marketplace growth, everything online growth, everything e-commerce. And today we've got a special guest with us, Andrew Maff, who is the CEO and founder of Blue Tusker, a full-service marketing company expanding the reach of e-commerce brands through robust digital strategies, targeted media buying, and data-driven analysis. I am a big fan of omni-channel approaches towards brand building. As much as we try to create brands on marketplaces such as Amazon, that is a small sliver of the online puzzle. You know, really, when you think about branding, it is cross-channel, it's cross-marketplaces, it's cross-different distribution channels. And I think Andrew is the right person to discuss strategies on how different brands can create their presence on these multiple channels. So, Andrew, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So, Andrew, tell us a little bit about, one, yourself, your background, but then also about your company, Blue Tusker. Yeah, sure. Uh, so myself, uh, I am uh, the founder CEO of Blue Tusker. I've been in digital marketing for pushing almost about 15 years now, started in e-commerce way back when, uh, was lucky enough to be uh, in-house at a company that had the opportunity to get on Amazon, like right as they started opening up to new sellers. They chose not to, so not my call, but hey, that's that's where it all started. So stayed in e-commerce, I guess there's a bit of a vendetta towards wanting to get back at Amazon, um, but been in agencies pretty much for the past, I think like eight years. Blue Tusker is the fourth agency I've been a part of. It's a full service marketing agency specifically for e-commerce sellers. We more or less focus on an omni-channel approach of helping sellers diversify away from Amazon and you know, or, or away from maybe just Shopify and open up into other marketplaces that they're in. But essentially, we help them make sure that they're covering as much relevant mar- uh, real estate as possible online. That's awesome. And so, tell me a little bit about your background too. You know, like what got you into e-commerce? What was your upbringing like? How? You know, what got you to where you are today, the founder and CEO? Uh, man, so my, my story's kind of convoluted. So I actually started in the music business years ago, and I was in a band, and everyone had their own job besides, obviously, playing in the band. And mine was helping us book shows, and I ended up, obviously, needing to promote those shows and get people out. And so I started to meet other bands and so on. And so basically, I ended up, after a while, I was booking a majority of the shows uh, in Central Florida. So anytime a tour would come down, they would contact me, and I would end up booking them within different venues. One thing led to another. I got tired of dealing with the music industry, but I continued to run marketing for those venues along with other companies that were kind of local. So I ended up basically focusing on hospitality and retail. I then took that agency, merged it with a family member who had another agency that was focused specifically on retail. That's where I first started doing the agency side of e-commerce. At this point, I'd already been in house at a couple places that were e-commerce specifically. Um, my father owned an e-commerce company, and that was kind of where I'd started off in the beginning. Uh, then exited out of that agency I was with with a family member because working with family is awesome. Uh, then uh, a little while ago, uh, probably about 
at this point, I think it was like four or five years ago, I was part of starting an agency that was also focused on e-commerce sellers. And in September of 2019, we ended up exiting out of that company and selling that to a public company. And so now I'm on my own. It's just myself in terms of, of partners. Um, I have a great team behind me that's awesome, but they're they're the ones that are basically they're the ones who are actually better at this than I am. <laughs> I just found them and that's how I did this. Um, but yeah, so that's basically how I ended up starting Blue Tusker uh, a little over two years ago at this point. That's awesome. A great story. I mean, and a great transformation of your career too, from a band to now yeah. you know, founder, CEO of multiple <laughs> companies and now your own thing as well. This is This is great. So, you know, I am very bullish on on this whole space, of course, of e-commerce as a whole, but but really a big aspect of, you know, trying to be very omni-channel in terms of the approach. You know, customers of brands shop on various channels. You know, they shop on different marketplaces. They might shop on digital channels like, or digital media channels like, uh, like TikTok and Instagram. Your customers are looking for you on your own website. Depending on your brand, brick and mortar is is not out of the out of the door anymore. So it just depends on on who your customer is, where they are, where do they like to shop, as opposed to you know a lot of sellers take this approach of well we are going to build an Amazon only business. So so give me your perspective on what do you think is the future of of brand building? You know how do you think this omni channel like approach fits into the future of digitally native brands? My theory behind where I think e-commerce is going to go is actually very similar to the same theory I have for social media, which is I actually think we're going to start to see these very segmented marketplaces break out and these very segmented social media platforms. So if you think of like Chewy, Chewy has gotten to a point where they are probably the only marketplace I can think of that has done a great job at competing with Amazon, because if you think you want something for your pet, no one actually thinks, well, let me rephrase, not no one. Very few people think Amazon first. They actually think Chewy first. And now Wayfair is doing a very similar thing, especially the pandemic helped them out a lot with that, where if you're thinking household like decorating products, you start to think Wayfair first before you start looking at Amazon. So you're slowly starting to see these like segmented different categories breaking out from marketplaces. And it's the same thing with social. If you think about, you know, Towards the end of the election, you started to see that app parlor come out that was, you know, specific for a certain group. And then Clubhouse came out and it got pretty specific for a certain group. And there's a bunch of different apps and, and different social media platforms that were coming out. And I'm, I'm starting to realize, like, I think that everyone really wants to get close and tight knit with a certain community and marketplaces are going to start to leverage that, especially if the social media platforms become marketplaces like Facebook does and like Instagram and TikTok. So I think that that's going to be a very interesting approach on where marketplaces end up going if we start seeing more types of marketplaces break out, in which case, just like if you're a seller, just like you have to do with social media, you need to know where your audience is. If you're a, uh, a company that sells pet supply products, yeah, you probably should be on Amazon, but you really need to get on Chewy and you obviously still need to have your own site. So it's going to come down to knowing where your customers are, just like in social media and figuring out where you're going to put most of your bandwidth to make sure that you're obviously capitalizing as much as possible. But what's the appeal? Is the uh, is the uh, is the appeal? On a on the in the Chewy model, let's take the Chewy model versus the Amazon model, mm -hmm. and you know, very cross category on Amazon, very focused category on Chewy. Is the community 
the the big appeal there is hey look i can just be very targeted in terms of i can interact with dog owners there i can you know i, ha- I have all the information i need about pets there like is that the mm-hmm. reason they're not they're certainly not competing on price or or you know any of that like what's the appeal yeah. as to why chewy is winning the pet game I I think the real reason that they're winning it is because they're catering specifically to a very specific audience, right? Like Amazon is like, we're Amazon and we can get you a product in two days or less, no matter who you are, no matter what you're buying, right? Chewy said, we can do the same thing, but we're pet lovers and we love our pets. So if you're a pet lover, you're going to want to shop with us. And then they start to see like the customer service is no different than it is on Amazon. In my opinion, it's even better. And then they're shipping. I've gotten stuff faster from Chewy before, depending on obviously where you live, but that's the same thing with Amazon. So they replicated the Amazon model, but really honed in on specific audience. So they really started to target their audience with content that they wanted to see. With Amazon, it was just like a spray and pray approach approach of just like, who can we get in here buying certain stuff? which is difficult and very expensive as everyone can see. So when a new marketplace pops up like Wayfair and they start catering towards people who are fixing up their homes and kind of like DIYers during the pandemic, that was perfect for them. So now everyone who thinks like, oh, I need a new desk, they go to Wayfair before they go to Amazon. So I slowly start seeing these marketplaces start to take categories away from Amazon. That makes sense. That makes sense. And what do you think about the let's pick a category like arts and craft or something that is a little more traditional, you know, has a presence on Amazon, but, you know, maybe there's a new disruptive player out there that says, well, I'm going to create a community of artists and, 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 and crafting Etsy. and, you know, all of that. So Etsy, <laughs> Etsy is one of those. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I'm even thinking about, you know, like there's a company called Arteza, for example, that they are, they, they're creating their own brands uh, or they create, they, they create their own brand as it relates to arts and arts and craft and you know supplies, and they're trying to engage that 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 community of people. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think that that private label market of you know we should be creating our own brand, our own products, or you know is is a big space? Is that where the disruption will come from, or will it be more chewies out there where <laughs> they're just retailers, but they're very community focused retailers, or maybe it's a combination of the two? I don't know. I think it's it's definitely a combination of two. I think you have to build your own brand. And I think that you have to right. leverage the marketplaces as basically almost like a, like a benefit to your seller almost of, or to your, your, your customer of like, you know, here's an, here's just a place that, you know, you can also buy our product. It's kind of like, you know, if you have uh, if you really like Skittles, you, you can't say like, you can only get it at seven 11. You can get them anywhere because they want to be wherever their customer is at. So if you take that digitally and you think about it years ago, I used to be a big proponent of this. Now to me, it's a bit more on a case by case basis, but we used to talk about you know, on a product page, you have your typical picture of the product and description and all that. And then you have your buy now button. And what we used to suggest was take underneath that buy now button and put available on Amazon, available on eBay, available on Walmart. At the time it was available on jet and showcase what your product, what your price was on those different platforms. And then just let it click over. Be like, if they want to go shop on Amazon, who cares? You got the data because you now were able to cookie them. Yes. Ideally you want them to shop on your site so you can get a lot more of their information. So maybe you want to give them a discount and things like that. But if they're more comfortable shopping on Amazon, let them. They're your customer. You have to provide them the best experience that you can allow them to have. So we used to suggest that a lot. We've started to pull back a little bit from that just because of 
obviously now with a lot of the cooking issues and, you know, uh, Facebook's changes and things like, or Apple's changes and things like that. So, you know, now you can't hold on to that data as much. So you need to have other types of ways to actually grab that, e- at least an email from them. Um, but if you're comfortable, like some sellers, if you started off on Amazon and you're looking to diversify, and so now maybe you want to start your Shopify site or something like that, and you want to start building there, it can't hurt to tell people that you're also available on Amazon until you're comfortable enough to just, you know, kind of cut the cord of Amazon and, and then you start to own the customer a little bit more. But at that case, you're allowing your customer to shop where they're most comfortable. I'm with you. I'm completely with you. At the end of the day, you know, you got to, I think a lot of people took the distribution channel approach first. Let's go take (laughs) advantage of Amazon, which makes sense. But I think Mm -hmm. we've got to go back to like, who's our customer? Where does our customer shop? What's our value proposition to the customer? How does our product fit the needs and wants of this particular customer? And then what are the different distribution channels for us to be able to support that customer? We've got to go back to one of some of the the basics of of business building, which is, you know, who's your customer and who are you trying to serve? And so I think think you're you're absolutely right, you know, in, in, in that sense. So, so let's talk about strategies then. So how would a brand who's probably selling on Amazon and says, hey, look, you know, Amazon's great, great channel, but I really want to build a brand. I don't want to sell a product anymore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want, to, I want to diversify to where my customers are. So how should they think about this diversification strategy? Uh, so I, I swear I say this two or three times a day. It depends on the product, depends on the category, depends on the business, and depends on the business owner. Everyone is different. Like we have, this is the, a big thing I do, I, I try to keep here at Blue Tusker is like, Ten, the templated approach of stuff does not work. The, there's no way that's going to work. The, it just doesn't. That's why most agencies fail, and that's why most businesses fail. Is they just go the same route that they see everyone else doing, and they don't really sit down and go, you know, what what do we think is going to work, and why do we think it's going to work, and then just testing it a little bit before, like, kind of jumping in. So I see way too many sellers come off Amazon and then throw a Shopify site together and start posting a couple things on Facebook and Instagram and then go, Shopify doesn't work. Why do I have this? And go, you've got to be kidding me. Like, first of all, your site's slow. It doesn't load at all. The pictures are horrible. You spent all of this time on Amazon nitpicking every little keyword and trying to do these tricks where you send it to a certain URL so you can rank better. And you're doing all of these little tiny things. And then you go and create a Shopify site that's just like, you templated and you had like an intern just kind of throw together that's your Shopify site or your website, whether you're not using Shopify, I I use them a lot. So it's a habit. Um, but like, that's your home. That's your baby. Like that's, you know, if you think about, uh, uh, what are you, uh, give me an example here. If you think about Apple, right? So you walk into an Apple store, you know, you're in an Apple store, you're having an experience. But Apple still sells their products in Walmart and Target and in other places. It's still available. But you're not walking. If you walked into an Apple store and you had a horrible experience, you're like, this place is ugly. It's dusty. It's gross. Like, why am I here? When you see that product in, in Walmart, you're going to go, that thing's cheap because the store I went to is garbage. So if you have a really bad Shopify store, it's probably going to hurt your Amazon because it makes your brand look worse. And that's your home base. Like, that's, that's where you're supposed to showcase your brand. Uh, spot on, spot on, right? I mean, that might actually hurt your Amazon presence as well. It might hurt the presence of your core channel right now if you have a crappy website or if you don't have a website. Yeah. 
you know, yeah. and, and people are searching for you not only on Amazon, they're searching for you online, they're looking at your social media channels, they're looking at, you know, your own website and, you know, your company presence and, you know, uh, the company history and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, and, exactly. And that makes that makes sense. So how would how would a brand, you know, would you recommend sh- starting with your own website? Like if they had to create a, cho- a cross-channel brand uh, or a, you know, channel agnostic brand, how should they yeah. be thinking about like the steps to take? What's, what's the first thing they should test out or start <laughs> building a presence on? So if your most businesses are not wildly funded and have, you know, six different investors throwing millions of dollars at them, right? So we're trying to do this slow. We're trying to approach this correctly where we're not blowing money just to test things. I love Amazon for the fact of they have a pre-existing audience. So if you put up a product and you're testing out the product, it's great for basically doing market research of finding out like, are people going to buy this? Because Amazon will ship it for you. You can, all you got to do is immediately throw up some paid ads. You don't have to do with any coding. You just throw up some good images and put some good content. You can figure it out there, right? Then you start to realize we're getting sales on Amazon and people like this. People are purchasing our stuff. We're making money now. Now you want to focus on your Amazon store. Make that look as good as you can get it, right? So now you're, you're focusing on basically what you can treat as a landing page. So as soon as that looks as good as you want, typically I suggest like grab that custom source URL so that you can track what you're doing, but then start doing, try out a little bit of social media, depending on your product and you know where your brand's at, but try, try some social media and just drive it to the store or try some Google ads and drive it to the store. And so then you can track it and go, okay, we are able to pull some traffic off of Amazon to Amazon to get those sales. So now you can tell that even though Amazon's pre-existing audience likes what you have, Amazon's not existing audience also likes what you have. So if you're able to prove that out, then you go, okay, now we need our own store and we need to drive traffic there. So then you spend the money, put a good Shopify site together. It doesn't have to be like wildly fancy, but it needs to look good. It needs to be functional. It needs to be quick. Have all of your extra bells and whistles behind, you know, your, if you want to have discounts, depending on your brand and stuff like that. But so you can capture the, the customer. Then from there, again, depending, that's when I would probably add. And let's say that you're only on Amazon. You have your buy now button. Also allow them to go to Amazon because they know that you're on Amazon. That's where they were. That's where they knew you best. And so that's where they're going to go. Right. So they're going to head over back over to Amazon because that's where you were originally shopping with them. So keep that test out. You can track that button so you have that custom source URL on the back of Amazon so you can see like, okay, people are coming to our store. They're not buying on our site very often, but they are clicking that button and going to our Amazon store and purchasing. So we know that they want, we can drive traffic to our site and we can convert somewhere else, but we know we can convert. So now you've learned a little bit more. Then you take that risk and you get rid of that button and see if you can get them to convert on your site. That's amazing. You've literally laid out the playbook here for folks. So if if you had done to a lot, pay- <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I know it looks like it suddenly sounds like it. That that's that's amazing. I mean, I was going to ask a very generic question here, which I, and I realized that I shouldn't ask this question around. Hey, what would you say is the you know after after Amazon? Actually, let me ask the question. After Amazon, where do you think the next big like? marketplaces that is more cross category right like walmart target like how do you think uh, about these other marketplaces and i know don't give me the gen- the generic answer which is like it depends and you know but what are your thoughts <laughs> um i'm going to say it's going to be a social media platform 
I think uh, it's going to be like it. it's going to be either Instagram or TikTok. One of them one of them's going to figure it out first. As soon as and I I still stand by this. I know I have a blog post about it somewhere where I brag about this like all the time. As soon as uh Amazon I'm Amazon, there's a habit. As soon as Instagram released Reels cuz they were wanted to compare with TikTok, the first thing I thought was I know that I can drive my product catalog into Amazon, into it, doing it again, into Instagram and tag the products in my posts. I go, it's a matter of months, if that, until I can tag a product in reels. And then until I can like feature a product in reels. And sure enough, it's like within a, like, I think I put that blog post out within like a month. They said that they were beta testing it and it was coming out. I go, that's going to be the next approach is like, I was just reading an article today about how, um, it's uh, they gave it some dumb name. It was like shoppertainment or some something dumb, but it was basically like kind of like an infomercial, but you're providing entertainment at the same time. Like it's an ad, but it's not like one of those things where it's a bit of a mix. So obviously what you see on TikTok a lot. And I think at a certain point, we're going to get down to the ability to just search within a, sh- in a social ad or within a social platform to decipher like, okay, I need um, a new microphone. I can type in microphone and then I can just watch all of these kids yell into a microphone about here's how this one works or what, however they want to do it. But then all I got to do is click the button and now I can buy that specific microphone. So I actually think it's going to be a social platform before it's anyone else in terms of like widespread product. That's amazing because most people I ask this question to, they'll give me the generic answer, which is like, yeah, it's Walmart, you know, or the or nah, one, one of the other bigger, the bigger, you know, retailers and who, are, who have a marketplace presence out <clears> there. But I think your perspective is good, which is like, look, it's I think it's one of these social media folks who are going to figure this out and they, they're probably close and they already have the reach out there, you know, yeah. and how, how can they re-pivot and re-strategize to become very commerce friendly and, and you know, all these are, uh, and they're, they're on it, right? It, it's, yeah. it's, it, it's great to see. Yeah, I mean, Walmart's problem was, you know, years ago before they were primarily online, or I guess not primarily online, but before they really started to cater towards their e-commerce side, Walmart had a really negative connotation to it. Like there was a whole website, people of Walmart that like you could just see like the ridiculous stuff people wore in Walmart. And it started getting like the products are cheap. The people that go there are weird. And so it started to get like this negative connotation to it. So as soon as they started to go to e-commerce, I was sitting here going, you could do this all you want, but no matter what happens, you still own that aspect of your brand people still kind of correlate that with your brand so i've know people who will see a product on walmart and see the exact same product on amazon on amazon for the same price and will buy it on amazon because they think that it's better than it coming from walmart because they think it's cheaper if they buy it from walmart and then the other side of that is that walmart is always trying to catch up to amazon so, oh, they have two-day shipping, we're going to offer something close to that. Oh, they have Prime, we're going to offer something close to that. But they never tried to leapfrog Amazon. They never tried to innovate past Amazon and try to anticipate what they're going to do next. So I think Walmart will always be behind Amazon for as long as we live. I'm with you. And, you know, and not that, and I, I think we both know that Amazon is constantly innovating as part of their yeah. culture as well. And that's just mm-hmm. part of how they've been running their company for so many years is, you know, this constant innovation cycle. So they're always ahead of the curve. And so there's a lot of catching up to do by Walmart. If at all, they have an opportunity yeah. here. But I think Wal- you're right. I think it's going to be one of these social channels. I think you're right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Walmart hasn't gone to space yet. So 
<laughs> they gotta they gotta yeah. do that next now. <laughs> uh, that that's true. <laughs> and come back safely, I hope. <laughs> yeah. Great, great. So Andrew, just you know, in terms of one one pushback I get when I talk to people around you know creating their direct to consumer website or their their their, their online portals through Shopify, BigCommerce, whatever. You know, the pushback I get is, well, you know, I've got to. I need a different sort of skill set in terms of performance marketing, which is, you know, I only know Amazon. Plus, there's the customer service side of things that I have to manage. I have to have a team of customer service people. In Amazon, it's a lot more easier. Uh, number three, I've got to figure out, you know, Amazon has one day, two day shipping. I, my, you know, shipping for me is going to be five days, seven days. And, you know, why yeah. am I competing with Amazon here at some level? And so how would you answer if a client came to you and asked, you know, said all these things to you? Like, what would your response be? I love that question because it's it happens so often. And it's my right. favorite thing when when sellers ask me that, because I always tell them, like, do you know that Amazon could suspend you like at any minute just for fun? And then you're out of right. you're out of a job like you're fired like you 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 just got fired by someone else and you own the company like I see sellers all the time. I just had a, a client two weeks ago, got suspended for a week for something that just typical Amazon's algorithm ran through their account. They thought something was wrong, flagged them, took us a week to finally get a hold of someone. And then they finally reinstated them and they were like, just make sure you don't do this. But like we didn't. And they, they don't really care. So if you are going to complain about, oh, I have to have a different skill set and I got to deal with customer service and blah, 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 then don't do this job. Don't be in this industry. Like, that's the easiest way to look at it is like it, it's customer service. You don't I'm sorry, you don't want to help your customer. Then you just want to sit back and make money. Then fine. I get that. No, everyone wants to do that. But the only you can't just do that. That doesn't just happen. You have to put in the work in the beginning. And if you don't want to, then just be an Amazon seller. But if you're looking to look, if you're looking to make like money and you're looking to have some wealth and not just a paycheck staying on Amazon, it's very difficult to sell an Amazon business, like a solely Amazon only business at a decent return because of how, like all the difficulties of Amazon. Yes, there are some really cool companies out there that like all they do is just roll up agency brand, uh, Amazon brands, which is great. And, and understand that. And if you want to make some money and take a few years off and travel, then great. But if you want to like retire at 40, then you need to like build a brand and focus on what the valuation of your company is going to be. Cause if you stay on Amazon, it's not going to be that much. I think it's like, two or three X EBITDA, if I'm not mistaken. No, I'm with on you. Average. I'm with you. And I've been advising a few people on the exact same thing, which is, you know, if you truly want to get bought out by private equity or you want to, like, they're not just looking for Amazon sellers, right? You, they're looking for mm -hmm. brands and brands are not just Amazon only. They're cross channel. Like we talked about, you know, they, they, they have a customer service team. They've got, they own their customer. They have marketing mm -hmm. strategies to re-engage and re retain their customers. And some of that, and you know, they, they know where their customers are. They're probably trying to get into brick and mortar through some wholesale channels. And like all of that should be part of your repertoire. It shouldn't just be, well, I'm just trying to you know, make a buck out of Amazon. Like you're not a business then. You're just a paycheck, like you said, for a period of time. Exactly. I mean, we're in obviously a very more tech-centric world right now. And companies that have a good amount of data and have communities to leverage, they get acquired at much higher valuations than someone who's just on Amazon. Because great, I can, let's say you're doing a million a year on Amazon. 
awesome. But if Amazon suspends you, all of your revenue is gone. Let's say you're doing a million a year on Shopify. You have all that data. You have all those customers. I assume at that rate, you have some kind of social platform that you can leverage. And so then another company to come acquire you, if for some reason your Shopify site and no one wants your product anymore, at least they still have the customers that they can focus on. They still have that benefit of that community. With Amazon, you don't have that. So you really, the only thing you have is I built a product. Here's the manufacturer that deals with it. Here's a bit of my system. I'm doing about X a year. Do you guys want it? Here's, here's what my profit margins are. Are you willing to buy it? With Shopify, it's like, yeah, but my email list is X and we have this many people coming to our site organically each month. So you can you know, guarantee that you're gonna have X amount of a retargeting audience. Like there's so much more your business can offer if you're looking to exit as a business owner than if you were solely on Amazon. I'm with you. I mean, to that point on, you know, you brought it up, right now around the brand aggregators, the folks who are buying brands, and it's it's a crazy race these days. I was reading this article today, someone sent it to us around, there was one company that at the Prosper show that you probably know of, that they were offering Teslas to people to send them leads to acquire brands, and it's so competitive. And literally that's what they, they, they I think they've taken about $10 million from their budget just to mm-hmm. offer people Teslas to get leads to acquire a brand. Anyway, that's the competitiveness of the brand aggregator space. But to the point on, 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 you, on, on what you made is, you know, these brand aggregators are acquiring FBA-only brands, most of them. And so who do you, how do you think they're going to win? In, like, will they have to follow the strategies that, that, you're, that you've laid out? Is, you know, uh, like these are all FBA brands. They're fine. But like, what's next? You know, you can't continue to grow them on Amazon too. You've got to think about this cross-channel strategy, this branding strategy that we're we're talking about. Like, what Mm -hmm. are your opinions on these brand aggregators and who's going to win? So, funny enough, I actually have a a close friend of mine who works in one of them. And I I was lucky enough to take him out to a bar one night and be like, all right, how are you doing this? Like, how does this work? And so, you know, basically he didn't tell me, unfortunately, he didn't really tell me anything that's going to be of value. Like, it's really just kind of like, okay, I assumed. But like they have a team that solely focuses on customer service and they have a team that solely focuses on marketing and paid ads and all that fun stuff. And basically they roll up a brand that they have a certain threshold of, okay, we want them to have X profit margin. We want them to be at X projection and all this stuff. And they, you know, they kind of roll everyone up, but they keep them Amazon FBA. In my opinion, the reason that they're probably doing it is because they themselves want to have an exit one day just to Amazon. So they sell all of these brands that they've rolled up, give them to Amazon. I mean, Amazon's acquiring brands all the time and then just keeping the brand name, but selling it on Amazon. And these guys are going, what if we beat Amazon to acquiring those companies, buy them ourselves and then sell them to Amazon? And if we put in obviously a well enough oiled machine of operations, then all of a sudden, you know, it's not that hard. So then I honestly, it's, I think it's a brilliant move. Now, if you're a company that is solely looking to just sell to them, I, I don't really, I don't have enough insight behind like what they offer. I've heard they're semi-decent offers and they're not really ripping people off, but you got to get it to a certain point. If you get really big, like if you, it, typically I've seen most sellers, if you're going to surpass anywhere between eight to 10 million a year on Amazon, you've got to have some kind of off Amazon presence. And typically I find that those guys that are just rolling up Amazon businesses 
aren't interested in Shopify sites or anything like that. That's not always the case, but that's typically what I've seen. Yeah, it might. It makes sense if the eventual exit strategy is, you know, to Amazon or something. And that's what I kept wondering is, you know, what would be the the exit strategy for some of the brands that these aggregators are rolling up? You know, I know Trashio mm-hmm. announced that they're, they're, I think, going public or something through a SPAC. I don't know if it's happening, but I read an article about it, and which which makes sense. But, you know, what, what, like what's next for these brands? And, you know, should they be creating a presence on other channels? Should they be thinking about direct-to-consumer websites for the individual brands? Like, I don't know. And, and so it, it'll, it'll see how this, this space plays out. Yeah, it, I think that that's going to come down to that specific company. I mean, look, if you're just creating an Amazon brand to sell a bunch of product and then sell to one of them, that's a different story. But if you're acquiring a ton of Amazon companies and you're making as, as much as I assume these guys are making based on how many acquisitions they're making – I mean, I'm not knocking that. You're doing really well. And now if you want to expand on it, the interesting thing there is what if they acquired a certain amount? What if they realized like, hey, we have a lot of uh, office supply categories that we acquired. It just so happens that based on the parameters we put in place, we bought a lot of office supply companies. Why not create our own website where we have all of these brands in one place? And now all of a sudden they're kind of their own marketplace in one way or another. So that's a very interesting approach for them to take, depending on which ones they're acquiring. Some of them, I, I mean, I, I don't know but it, it, how big some of these guys are dreaming, but Amazon's acquiring these small brands that they think has a lot of potential on Amazon. These guys are acquiring small brands that they think has a lot of potential on Amazon. Who's to say that at a certain point, they don't just turn it around and go, now we have our own marketplace and we're competing with Amazon because we can do it too. It's a great point because, and it, I think ties us back to what we started off this conversation with is, you know, these category specific marketplaces, potentially, you mm-hmm. know, where you have a community and, and maybe the go to market on that is let's acquire a bunch of brands in that category and let's get that, that fuel going. Right. So that, yeah, that could exactly. be the right approach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So I know this conversation is very useful uh, we're running out of time here, but I wanted to, you know, you know, you certainly run an agency that can help brands with everything that we discussed. But just tell us a little more about, you know, how you folks serve brands and also tell us how can people or listening to this podcast right now get in touch with you and your, and your, your company? Yeah. Um, so the company's Blue Tusker, B-L-U-E-T-U-S-K-R. So there's no E in Tusker. Um, but we're all of our social is at Blue Tusker. All my social is at Andrew Maff. So if anyone's got questions, just pick one and I'm sure I'll find it. Um, but yeah, so like, look, we, we focus on e-commerce. We focus on helping brands diversify. Sometimes they're ready to start diversifying right away. Sometimes we have to help them get ready to diversify, but we focus on, I try to make sure that we're making the right partnership. We're the whole reason, part of the reason our logo is an elephant is their, you know, their reference behind how tight knit of a group they are. And we kind of see ourselves as a partner in the business. We really don't make, we try not to make decisions based on what's best for the marketing, but instead what's best for the business, because sometimes those two things are not always aligned. So we try to learn like, what are the intricacies? Like, How's inventory doing? How, you know, how do you, what's your seasonality look like? Like things that typical agencies don't end up dealing with. So 
our approach is a little different in terms of like, we try to see like, where do you want to take this? Because then we can tell you if we can help you grow it or not. Or if you want to just stay on Amazon and stay there, awesome. But we're probably not a good fit. So we're a little all over the place in, in terms of like what we focus on, but we basically become an outsourced marketing department. Fantastic. Love it. Well, you heard it from the man himself, Andrew Maff. Well, thank you, Andrew, again for being on the show. Really appreciate all your insights. I really enjoyed this conversation because there's so much going on in our space right now, especially as it relates to you know these non-Amazon channels and how brands should really be thinking about that. But really great insights from you. Thank you for your time. And I'm sure we will touch base again soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a good time. Fantastic. Well, thank you again, everyone, for joining us on another episode of Master the Marketplace. We will see you again next time. Take care. Bye-bye. Through conversations with experts in online retail, with years of marketing, compliance, and inventory management experience, we seek to empower our listeners to master the marketplace. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you next time on Master the Marketplace with Caspian.